Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Artist Podcast. Today with us we have uh, R. Rahman. She's talking to us about, you know, uh, essentially the difference of lifestyle between the Middle East or the GCC states and Sri Lanka. Uh, R. and I, we both uh, are former residents of uh, GCC states. And so essentially we're just reminiscing on our past and talking about how life is different. Uh, let's welcome Ara. Hi, Ara. Hi, Artif. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And uh, let's get started. Yeah, sure. Uh, give us a bit of a description about yourself, uh, about, you know, how long you've been in Saudi Arabia for and how long you've been in Sri Lanka for. So, uh, I moved to Saudi Arabia when I was 28 years old. So, I guess that's my biggest flex. And <laughs> I've lived there till I was 18. And then I moved to Sri Lanka for my higher studies. So I've been here for almost two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. So I'm basically here to start studying. Yeah, I was, I came here to start studying. That's really good. Um, so that's like a pretty good introduction about yourself, you know, like that's essentially my state too. I, I was, I was, I went to Oman when I was a very young kid and I came back for my uh, advanced level here too. So, let's get started with the question, yeah? Okay, so in fact, out of all the episodes, your episode had the most number of questions because a lot of people were intrigued about, you know, the whole uh, Saudi Arabia thing. And uh, so, our first question is essentially about, you know, you being a hijabi. So, being a hijabi in Sri Lanka means that you have two sides. You have the people who don't accept it, people who don't understand it, critiquing you for, you know, wearing the hijab. And you also have uh, the family members who will critique you or who would, you know, be asking you questions about why you're not wearing hijab if you choose not to. So, in that kind of scenario, how do you tackle with it? Any personal experiences you've had here? Yes. Uh, a lot of personal experiences. Uh, so, basically... One thing I need to get through is the fact that uh, wearing a hijab doesn't make you a better Muslim or choosing to not wear it doesn't make you a worse off uh, person or anything. So uh, basically, this my first year in university, I had an event and um, we were hosting it. So there were two girls, uh, both of us were Muslim, but one wasn't covering and I was covering. So one of my friends, he came up to me and he's all like, wait, hold up, both of you are Muslims, but why are you covering and why isn't she? And I was all like, well, it's a personal preference. Like I choose not, I, I choose to wear the hijab and she chooses not to. And then he's all like, does it make you a better Muslim if you choose to wear the hijab? I was all like, no, hell no, because I might be uh, weak in so many other parts of my faith even though I choose to wear the hijab. And she might be like hella perfect in all of those uh, aspects. And I can't judge based on whether someone wears the hijab or chooses not to. Uh, on the other hand, there's been uh, a lot of situations, especially when I come back home, right? Uh, I'm known as a very modern girl. So like it's, it's the outfits, right? And you don't wear... Um, so I basically don't wear the outfits that are considered to be religious enough, I guess. So then th there's that perspective too, where people go all like, oh, look at her, you know, she's wearing jeans and all of that. What, she comes from Saudi, where's a hijab? And I'm like, this is a hijab. Like, you don't have to 
necessarily wear the abaya which uh, portrays as you know you're a very religious muslim again i, I need to get this out when it comes uh, to muslim attire for both you know men and women it's essentially said you know wear what you want in women obviously you have the headscarf thing and you know the covering up to the hands but uh, this design element was never specific but it was more of you know as you please but make sure you know you're not very concealing so that you grab less attention towards yourself yes precisely Spine and mode. many people lose sight of that many people lose sight of that because uh, they focus more on the outer wear and like this fixed standard of what you have to wear that they uh, tend to critique you on what you choose to wear and what you choose not to wear and it's insane it's really hard to cope up with both extremes of uh, you know the spectrum exactly so in, in the case of you know wearing hijab plus materialization because we go just that narrow aspect you see women wearing habayas wearing really slim fit habayas as well I mean, that's just the same as wearing uh, like you know a really slim fit cloth hijab on but then you have women who wear hijab and you very loose fit you know it's just still it's the same aspect that the religion talks about exactly. it's just these people stick to that tradition and design modernized and you know westernized but you guys are separate yeah precisely and uh, i think uh, as a young muslim girl it's hard to balance between both because there's the traditional aunties on one side and then there's the extremely a uh, critical other part aspect of it and walking that middle line is probably the hardest thing to do but Obviously, yeah we do it i think it's not it's more of uh, being a chameleon i always call myself a chameleon you know you've got to uh, fit where people want you to fit you know you don't have to change your personality but you know to fit in right so yes, i hang out with my exactly i hang out with my single buddhist friends and i don't talk to them about my religion per se cuz religion is irrelevant there but you know when i go back to my hometown with my cousins you know we talk about religion too so it's just you know being who you just so you don't upset anybody you know and you're not being a bad person you're not being fake you don't have to outright you know present yourself every time just make the situation less toxic true but then the, then uh, a identity crisis sort of kicks in too you're just like wait really. who exactly am i no because the thing is now the fact that you're religious you know about your religion the fact that you know about other religions and you choose not to choose to talk about your religion all the time that's all part of your identity you're just revealing separate parts fit to separate people you know that's it uh, so let's talk about you know success strength and you know essentially uh, being portrayed as a muslim woman so obviously you know the media tells us that muslim women are you know there's obviously a difference in standards between uh, the two when that you see a lot of muslim men are performing the women in many junctures and when that happens people look at you know uh, the gcc states they look at and they talk about how power is not shared and is only goes to the male members how how is it that for you you know do you really think that except for you know how the power you know like you know state power is obviously given to the kings because that's heritage but otherwise do you think that you know in saudi arabia it's very toxic for women where they can't work at all where none of them receive success is that how it looks like no not at all i mean um, yes there was a period there was a period where women had to you know look at men to even leave the house but that was not based on religion that was more based on culture but now things are changing it's insane how uh amazing it is right now i mean you see women driving 
and uh, there's women at every corner of like Saudi Arabia. It's, they're everywhere at the immigration and at shops, as entrepreneurs, as as CEOs, as race car drivers, kickboxers, chefs. They're everywhere and they are thriving. It's beautiful to see because. Um, there's this one aspect that uh, everyone sort of has where they're all like hijab equals oppression, hijab equals uh, no options uh, in the outside world. And that's crazy because look at these women. They were brought up uh, probably. Now, let's say uh, roughly a woman is 25 or 30 years old. Her entire teenage uh you know, that uh, sort of aspect of her life was, br- she was brought up in a situation where Saudi Arabia was very uh, conservative, very close. But then for her to aspire big dreams and for her to achieve those big dreams, that's something people should look in awe at. Because one thing I know for a fact is uh, the fact that, you know, we say women can't do this, women can't do that. But Saudi Arabia is a living example, a living proof that if you put your heart to it, if you have the willpower to it, you can. You can. And that too, Saudi like Arabia is often the prime example of, you know, the liberal feminists. You know, women are, there's a lot of misogyny because, you know, Saudi Arabia is like the peak uh, of that level. But so, if Saudi Arabia is so good, let's talk about the other GCC states. Talk about Dubai. Let's talk about Qatar. So thriving, so westernized. I'm I'm very sure this problem doesn't exist as much as people portray it to. Exactly. I mean, just like step into the Doha airport. You see women everywhere, and they're not subjected to something that they don't want to. Like you see, uh, what do you call it? women with hijab, without hijab, uh, wearing pants, wearing skirts. It's it's everything. <laughs> you see everything, and you can't say that you know. The GCC sort of, you know, boxes up women because look at the women around. I think uh, the reason why, you know, a lot of these feminist pages don't want to exemplify uh, success coming from the Middle Eastern world is because there is already that aspect, you know, where if you dress modestly, you're automatically oppressed and they want to keep that narrative because you see a lot of the feminist pages. I, mean, I think the feminist page is the most popular political page in the entire world. And for them, the narrative is that if you are blue-haired, if you go wearing nothing, that's what liberates you. That's the sort of narrative that they give. And if they see somebody who is modest, somebody who's close to the religion actually thriving, for them, you know, that sort of example strives away from their whole, you know, I want to, uh, you know... Wear what I want. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, uh, and another thing is, have you noticed how they, you know, confuse somebody's strength you know like i've seen uh, women doing really well at their jobs right and then they say oh we have the first woman here we don't talk about their success the sort of determination that they put their intelligence to get to that position but rather we you know put them into that bucket list of women succeeding and i think it's very cruel because a lot of these women they have to do such hardships and they instead of talking about you know their brilliance their talent we just put them into that bucket and automatically, you know, you see people who are against the feminist movement not appreciating their talents. Now, personally, me, I would say that I, you know, I am somebody for equality. But the reason why I don't identify myself as a feminist is because you have that, you know, left-wing people who are, are just so... So, I think, you're, I think you know, Arabian women should be everywhere because, you know, they 
they personify uh, being modest and being powerful. Yes, and uh, I guess um, another thing that happened in Saudi Arabia was when women started working, right? Men started having this um, sort of idea that, okay, our company is hiring these women because they have a fixed quota to uh, fulfill. And that sort of, uh, you know, devalued everything that a woman worked for because obviously she wasn't put there just like that. She had to go through the same education (laughs) process. (laughs) I had a a podcast with Tuha and Sapman again and we both, you know, we spoke about the exact same thing. You know, you're pulling success away from them and putting them into that one category of uh, unfit women. In reality, we have so many of them for so many fit women out there it's just you put them into one class and we label all of them generalization so let's talk about your life now that you moved to so-called democratic country where you're free where you know things like the lgbtq movement is allowed unlike in uh, the middle eastern countries do you really think it's as liberating as they say it is to be anybody and to still succeed i don't really think so i mean like for me i face so much criticism I don't wear a hijab. I don't look like your average Muslim dude. Uh, but I look, you know, I look like, a, I, I personify with my Christian friends most. I look most like them. People, you know, you still face that racism on a daily basis here on the roads. How about you? You should be having it much worse. It's there a lot. This one time I had gone shopping, right? And uh, this was after the Easter bombing attack. And um, I had gone shopping and I had gotten into an elevator. Uh, there, there were these bunch of uh, people, friends, they were just like uh, talking and whatnot. And as soon as I got into the elevator, they were like, uh, ah, Machan, uh, are, the church, uh, are you going to the church today? And then he's all like, no, no, I'm not going to the church today because, you know, she's there. She might come there. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what are you trying to say? And then they were like, uh, uh-uh, we had to go to church, you know, when these Muslims don't come around. And I'm like, uh, okay. I just came shopping. <laughs> I didn't mean to do anything to you. <laughs> but uh, as much as that's there, there's the other aspect. I have a lot of uh, non-Muslim friends. And to be honest, uh, I, I've seen a lot of good people. Because um, when things like this happen, I've had so many friends stand up for me. Where they go all like, uh, yeah, you were saying? What were you saying? What were you saying to my friend over here? And I'm just like, it's all right, guys. Like, calm down. We're, we're cool. I, I can handle this. And then they're like, no, someone can't talk to you like that. Like, they can't generalize people like that. Exactly. And then there's the other aspect of, uh, now say, even like uh, LGBTQ and stuff like that. As much as we uh, call ourselves free and uh, accepting and whatnot, Sri Lanka isn't. We aren't. Sri Lanka isn't. Like, have you seen the headlines recently? We aren't. <laughs> I think the, the thing is not, we are not accepting on both sides. You have the very conservatives, you know, not ready to accept that other way of living. But you also have the the very, you know, the liberalist folk, you know, who have a problem with somebody who disagrees with opinions. Like, you know, me personally, because of religious purposes and, you know, because basically it doesn't make sense to me. I think that, you know, LGBTQ communities are a confusing thing for me. I really don't agree with them. And if I make that opinion out in the world, like, you know, because obviously coming from the 21st century, being in an international school, you get attacked so much just because you think, you know, uh, I disagree with that opinion. So you have that mob mentality on either sides. I'm going to lie. Yeah, exactly. But I guess uh, one thing we need to do is uh, we need to be the comedian. Whatever said or done. Say you have, 
you say you have a friend who is uh gay or lesbian like uh, whatever they identify themselves with you you need to be accepting of that uh, like maybe you don't uh, value like you don't personally your religious values don't sort of go in line with that but you need to be okay with it you need to be all like okay that's your personal choice you know exactly because uh, see it's the same thing with us like i choose to wear the hijab i choose not to do this i choose not to do that i choose not to drink that is my religious values that's my personal values and when someone sort of goes against that i feel attacked i feel less than so it's the same kind of attitude that uh, we show back at someone else who we don't accept who doesn't you know go in par with our religious values so i think um, exactly. we need to be the change we need to be the change no, that we need to see i i actually have a few gay friends right and so how our relationship works is i i don't i don't agree with that's with you know that aspect of you and you also don't agree with how i think but aside from that there are a lot of things that we agree on forget about what we disagree on let's focus on what we you know believe together you can coexist you can have differences and coexist that's obviously yeah, possible exactly. it's just that you know the extreme sides of both ways of living make it difficult for you to do that exactly and i mean how many times do we look away from uh, certain differences why are certain differences easier to look away from while other differences we are like okay this is a deal breaker why is that the case exactly and personally for me you know obviously we know there are shortcomings in the middle east obviously but i am somebody who's like a brand ambassador for the middle east because you know i resonate with it being home more and so every time somebody has something negative to say you know i obviously put forward the positive points but i don't disagree with the negatives get it so in sri lanka you see that on a instagram forum or twitter forum a lot of people are you know the second they talk about oppression middle east there we are pisses me off a lot honestly and uh... I I guess I resonate as a brand ambassador too because anytime someone goes like but Saudi like what's the lifestyle and I'm like you have no idea have you seen the food we have there <laughs> like dude that that's everything <laughs> Exactly and the other thing is you know tax free baby tax free yes <laughs> we are taxed now we we've got tax Are we you guys got vat right Yes, we do. Man's getting wet in twenty twenty one. Still Good a bit luck. ahead. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> But I think your know, taxation levels are still incomparable with what you have in European countries, what you have in Asia. So, so we had this question actually coming in from my classmate, my sorry, my junior, my school junior. She is from Oman, from my school SLSM, uh, and she asked. She pointed out that rape culture is non-existent. in the middle east i agree with her because you know i've been there for i mean i don't know how it is in saudi but in oman i've been there for um 10 years and i think i might have seen one or two cases in the newspaper but not nearly as close as it is in sri lanka do you agree with it do you have anything to say about it uh see this is the thing right when it comes to the middle east countries we are pretty good at hiding stuff so um when it comes to things like rape culture and things we still haven't gotten comfortable talking about it or addressing it i i will not say it's non existent maybe not it's comparatively less 
Maybe Not it's comparatively less. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's probably comparatively less than what we have here, but uh, it's not non-existent. Yeah, because I, li- I studied in a mixed school, right? And, you know, we obviously, what rape culture is essentially, when you know it's okay for somebody to be, uh, you know, abused and people move on with it, right? That's essentially what it is. But in our schools, I've been in multiple schools there, in fact, and I have friends from multiple schools they all, you know, disagree with it. I don't know how it is in Saudi, but in Oman, we're a lot more open about talking things and maybe it maybe it's an isolated case to Oman. You never see that. I mean, I don't see, I, I haven't heard of anything in schools or school students, but to be honest, rape is more than that. Probably there's, there's marital rape and then there's the whole domestic aspect of it, you know, um, maids, housekeepers. Um, yeah, obviously. Lower staff, all of that. So, uh, you can never say it's non-existent because uh, maybe there are people who are not coming out and we can't uh, sort of, uh, you know, blemish that entire picture. But, uh, no, we can't. I guess it's much better than what we have Should here, what we've got here. I A think, girl can uh, walk freely here. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I go to malls there. You see more people wearing, you know, like their form of dressing there is a lot more, how to say, modern, modern than, you know, what you have in Sri Lanka. You know, more like people go walking with uh, short skirts and stuff like that. And I don't, you don't see, I, I have never seen any problem. You know, once in a while you see people staring, right? You know, you have your uh, Bengali cleaners who they just stare because, you know, they don't know what self-control is. <laughs> but for the most part, you don't see the locals are making much of a fuss and I feel like people there are a lot more free because I have friends who are in Oman, close friends of mine and they say you know bro I would never come to Sri Lanka because you know I am judged 10 times more here than I am there. Yeah I mean I go out with my girlfriends like probably every weekend over there and that's cool. I mean I could exactly. walk around in a mall and no one's gonna look at me and th- I mean, you don't associate that with uh, be not looking as good or whatever, but it's the guys over there. They don't really pay attention to you all that much. I mean, obviously, there's the random glances and all of that, but it's not as bad as it is here. I mean, guys follow you from the mall to the bus to the to your homes over here, and that's insane. <laughs> like, I can never you know, imagine there, that happening there. It, it's, it's, ma- it's maximum there, you know, like... Uh... You know, we're going out. Do you guys want to join with us? So your phone number, that's it. That's nothing more. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's that's all that's there. And it's I not to say you that... You hang out in a mall and you're done. That That's all that's there. No, it's not to say that the the, the boys in uh, the Middle East are afraid. They're not afraid of anything. Trust me when I tell you that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, you know, you have the Middle Eastern parents who will scrutinize those kids for actually doing something like that the parents there you know if you see a guy trying to mess around with a girl you know they make it a big scene and a lot of them have uh my god each of them have like five kids each you know that is not something that's generalization that's a fact okay and in a world like that the probability of you being with family is very close you have family gatherings almost every week and so the aspect of mutual respect is inherent in in the society there i'd say that yeah and also, there's the fact that uh, people stand up for each other over there. Like, uh, say, for instance, a gu- guy was, you know, annoying me, harassing me in a mall. Like, for instance, it's never happened to me, 
thank God. But uh, for instance, if that happened, there'll be a bunch of other girls who comes and goes or like, what's happening? Do you need help? There'll be a bunch of other guys also. Like they'll be like, is everything okay over here? But I exactly. don't see that in Sri Lanka, which is really upsetting because there are times that I and wish I mean, someone stood up for me. This is a bit of generalization. I don't know if you have as many Egyptians and Sudanese there. Okay, Egyptians and Sudanese are like the most courageous people you meet. Like you go to public, something goes yeah. wrong. They wouldn't, you They're know, so mind, tough. you know. They are so mentally tough, God. <laughs> Especially the women, God. Uh, yeah. I had a few classmates you who, you know, you them. don't. No, no. <laughs> Big mistake. Yeah. So then we go on to the whole topic of expatriate. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, Marlin, uh, from Gateway College, uh, Colombo. He's also a model United Nations speaker, multiple award winner. He raised the question about the stigmatization of expatriates being downtrodden. They, you know, they're not treated well. There is that sort of, uh, you know, obviously we have that aspect. To some extent, I'd say it's true because in Oman, we have Omanization, cutting off expatriate jobs, replacing with nationals, but that's that should be any nation's priority. When, I'm, when we have unemployment, you know, try to mobilize your own people. But I don't really see that as much uh, on a day-to-day level because from day one, I was there, I was treated much better by the locals than I am I'm ever treated here. You have, you know, your boss's family calling you for Eid, for days to stay there. And then, you know, you have locals, if you have a tire puncher, they'll stop the vehicle around you, the taxi drivers included, and they'll fix it for you. Such nice yeah, people exactly. there. But um, I guess we, we were privileged enough to be of, uh, let's say, a higher class, even though we were in Saudi as expat, even though we were in the Gulf as expatriates. There are other people, like, who come as low-income wage earners. Otherwise, uh, most bachelors bachelors you see them even if they are like a manager or something at a reputed firm and they live their bachelor life uh, they're not always subjected to the best of treatments because um, i guess that that sort of aspect got um, scrutinized during this covid season uh, no, not only like, covid season i think you remember the arab spring right after that you have that you know the the new generation of uh, you know, Arabians, they have a big problem with uh, thing, you know, because you have national, national groups, you know, talking about how expats are stealing your jobs. And, you know, they youngsters often discriminate you a little bit, you know, not to a great extent, but a little bit. But then, you know, you find those uh, old uncles and aunts, my God, I love Eid there because you make more money from Eid money. there than you make. Like, I remember... We when dropped off mosque? this woman. So like, yeah, exactly. So we were going to the mosque. And so this woman was walking and going. So my dad was like, she was a local. So my dad was like, okay, she's walking and going. The mosque is right here. We can drop her. Because we dropped her, she gave me and my sister, if I'm not wrong, uh, 50 Saudi riyas each. Just 50 riyas wow. Saudi riyas. Like, that's big money. That's <laughs> huge money. <laughs> exactly. That's one thing that's there. Like, they, they are very accepting, the locals, to be honest. But... Um, when people talk about the mistreatment of expatriates, I guess they focus more on the low-income earners. Labor where categories. People, yeah. Where they have to share rooms and, uh, you know, their living conditions aren't the best. And uh, I like, kind of disagree say, with that. Uh, because now I have friends and have family who work for 
real estate firms there so and i was all working with the real estate firms and so you have their labor camps their labor camps are much more sophisticated compared to what we have as regular apartments here i mean no 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 obviously they're not treated the best their passports are taken away from them they are paid a terrible uh, income that's not uh, that's not a joke but you know it isn't as bad as working conditions what you have in asia because you know when we start talking about work conditions we talk about oppression of expats in the middle east but then be like you know that's that's coming from asians but on the other hand you have people working for pence in in uh not pence is it pence or cents cents in asia in uh in china in india even in sri lanka yeah, so i don't think us asians are you know we could talk about oppression and being paid less there while we do the exact same and much worse for our low income workers here i think uh, we sort of um, compare the lifestyle and how they're being treated to something like maybe the us or some some big place you know where people have given up everything and gone to some other place to earn and they're not treated well enough for that but then we forget to compare that maybe it's just better than what they have here so it's okay exactly. it's okay it's and okay. even you know they talk about how food is bad there i swear to god i might as well go and eat in the petrol shed then i might go and eat in a mall because the petrol Honestly. shed food is like godly <laughs> it's so good and like it's so good you can have a shawarma there for like 3 riyals and like get get a shawarma and pepsi for maximum 5 riyals and you're like oh go me meal <laughs> and i think we have that was our next question in fact we had six people who asked us about the food difference people are crazy about food here and i think we have genocide in sri lanka genocide happening right in the hearts of uh, arabian nights they put coriander in their shawarma and then they label it shawarma it's just the most disgusting thing i've ever had <laughs> tomatoes and like cabbage who puts cabbage have you had cabbage in shawarma <laughs> where's the french fries where's tahini <laughs> Where, oh my god where's the pickles like the good the good pickles where are they you know like the the cabbage pickles the like the chili pickles and carrot oh, ones yes. and the carrot ones <laughs> oh my god i die for that you know i was supposed to go to oman in december so i told my dad you know like you know if i do well for my exam so just essentially for me it's just i prefer going to oman and my dad was also like you know one every year we could go we were planning on going this year at the end of this year or maybe at the end of my a2 level who oh, it destroyed my dreams <laughs> legit like um, every time i ask my mom i'm like can i come back home and she's like why do you want to come back home i'm like oh, well i want to see you guys i want to see my siblings i need I food <laughs> i need food <laughs> i'm starving here <laughs> like my dad even would the have... indian food is so good over there like how is that No good Indian food over here. Indian food's gone there. Like I swear to God, <laughs> like you know, my dad, I I ate so much. My dad was like, you know, you're not going to fit into your clothes anymore for the one month we stay there. You better come and run with me. And he took me running to make sure that I can eat more. Like you know, because because uh, I was eating like a lot. Like I would stop and eat at Lulu because you know, like I missed the oh, yes. I missed the food in Lulu. Darbar? Like the food in Lulu. is gourmet shit compared to what we have here. Yeah, I mean <laughs> this is really good food and like I know my go to order like 
every time I tell my mom, I'm like, I'm coming there. I need my butter naan. I need my butter chicken alongside. And I need like proper chicken corn soup. I need my chicken corn soup, y'all. Yes. And the <laughs> barbecues. Unpopular opinion. After the, the Americans, I think the Middle East, like, you know, are like number one in barbecue. Like if you had barbecue oh, yes. in Sri Lanka, they barbecue like weird stuff and in weird ways. Like, where's your tamarind? They put coriander <laughs> and stuff into everything. I'm like, where's your tamarind? Dude, flavor. Oh my God. Yeah. Food over there. And you know, I think I'd go back because, you know, apparently we're going to lose beef privileges here very soon. Uh, <laughs> so might as well consume well, as much as possible. God. Yes, exactly. We need beef. Beef privileges. So, you know, that, that sums about it. You know, that's practically everything I had to talk about. And, you know, we talked about from everything from, you know, life as a woman, uh, oppression, and, you know, as an expatriate we talked about food which is very interesting and we talked about you know a lot of aspects and i think it has been yeah. a really really good podcast and i think for somebody who's going to the middle east i'd say come with an open mind come with an open mind and embrace this culture there's a good chance that you'll enjoy it honestly honestly because uh it all depends on your perspective if you come with the opinion that you know you're not going to have fun and uh, you're going to be oppressed, then uh, you're not going to have fun. There's no way you're going to yeah, have exactly. fun. But uh, if you come up with an open mind, then you'll see beauty in like the tiniest aspects between people's uh, manners and the food and the lifestyle over there, the nightlife. Oh my God, it's amazing. Exactly. That's true. And uh, so I'd like to thank you, Ara, once again for coming here. Fantastic guest. It's very interesting, very comedic. We talked about, you know, all sorts of issues and all sorts of fun. Uh, and so uh, I'd like the viewers to stay on hold because, you know, I will be taking a two-week break before the next podcast uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, so you guys don't wait. So December, the month of December, we have a lot of new people coming in. Uh, we have emmy related content coming in. So stay on hold for that. And uh, I'd like to thank Ara once again for being a fantastic guest. And I hope she has a great day and great life ahead. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening and stay on hold for the next week's episode. Thank you, guys.